races Cause on the 9th of June 1862 On a summer's afternoon I took the bus to Bamberg's And she was heavy laden The way we went along Collingwood Street That's on the road to Bladen Hello and welcome to CHN Radio. I'm your host, Greg Troxell. We are on episode 22, and joining me in this prestigious episode is the best co-host in America, in the world, in Antarctica, Elijah Toonsome, Elijah Gruesome, Elijah Cruesome, Elijah Syracusome. Oh. Oh, I like Elijah that. Elijah Newsome. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Greg. Um, are we sure we're on episode 22? No. We're not. We're, yeah. we're not sure. <laughs> we're on episode 21. Oh, uh, I have it written down as 22. I should make 21 then. Yeah. Episode uh, 21, what up? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's easy to forget when you've won three in a row. Yeah. 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 We, yeah. we, apo- we, have, to, we have to apologize, Greg. We went on a bit yeah. of a hiatus. Yeah, I was, I was actually coming, going to mention that because a few people reached out and said, where, where the heck is CHN Radio gone? So as I mentioned, I'm moving to Las Vegas, and we are now two weeks from departure. So uh, it's getting pretty crazy. Elijah has school, which is pretty crazy. And uh, holidays have come up. But we're going to give the people what we want and a pretty fire episode. Do you have anything that you'd like to apologize for? Um, I would like apo- Wait, I I would like to apologize for just previously not using English well. Um, I'd also like to apologize for. Actually, I don't know. I think I, our our Twitter account would like to apologize to Lee Ryder for being a part of making him delete an article. So, <laughs> I'm sorry for that. Well, um, <laughs> and speaking in, you can follow that that Twitter account at coming home NUFC or our podcast page, which is at CHN underscore radio. No. Yeah. My mind is really messed up. CHN underscore radio. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. (laughs) Okay, good. We did it. All right. Been out of the game way too long there, Greg. Yeah, it's been wild. So let's get into some club news because we're, we're going to go over club news. We're going to go over our third win in a row against Burnley. It was a beautiful one. And uh, we're also going to preview West Ham. So you're going to get a little bit of everything in this one. And then next week, assuming it's okay with Elijah, I guess I haven't talked to you about it, but next week we're going to resume the, the two a week. Oh, nope, can't do it. All right. I'm busy, I'm busy the whole week. So Okay, so I will resume the two yeah. a week show. <laughs> um, it would just be me soothing your ears. Okay, so let's get into the club news because I want to get to the first thing. And that's my man. Elias Sorensen, my gosh, is he good. He's good at a sport where you kick a ball into a net. That's just one of the things that he's really good at. And it's a beautiful thing because he has scored his 16th goal of the season already. I don't think the senior team has scored 16 goals. I I don't think that's happened. Um, And it's there, you know, our U23s haven't been – like setting the world on fire. I mean, we're in the second division even. 
and uh, in the Premier League U23s. And Elias Sorsen gets brought up because Luke Sharman goes out on loan. He comes up from the very the struggling uh, U18 side that we have, and he just and he was doing well there. But he absolutely has been dominating since. We've talked to him a lot. If you have been listening. We haven't talked to him. We've talked about him a lot. And if, you, if you've been listening. When did we get that interview? <laughs> if you've been listening, then you know that we are very high on him. So he has 13 matches, 16 goals. That, that doesn't suck. So I still think it's time. I think it's time for him to come up to the first team and see what he's got. It's, I mean, the worst that would happen is he doesn't pan out and we send him on loan but i would like to see newcastle do that before the loan window happens rather than just sending him out um but that's the first thing second thing or do you have any thoughts on on elias um elijah elias uh you know he's got a good first three letters of his name so uh mm-hmm. good for him that's yeah. the best first three letters you could have besides gre yeah yeah and there's well there's probably some danes that have names starting with gre like yeah gregor I'm just guessing. Mm. Um, okay, so we'll move on to the next thing is Victor Hernandez. You may have heard. that. Um, so he's been absent from the U23 since August, but he uh, has confirmed via social media that he has had surgery for a hip injury, um, and he's out for the rest of the year. Uh, is that right, Elijah, for, for the rest of the season, right? Yeah. Yeah. rest of the season, he's out. So yeah, um, so it, it sucks joins. for him. It's been a pretty struggling. It's <laughs> it's been a pretty tough season for him so far. Um, he didn't get a lot of playing time because he had that heel injury, and then he's actually sent home to Spain and then came back and then had a hip injury. Yeah, so just not not the best. Season. Yeah, and, and it's been our the front three position players for our academy that's been really struggling. So we have him, Lewis McNall, who has been injured. Um, he has a knee injury that he got last April. I think it's an ACL, and he still hasn't come back. And then uh, Tyreek Bartlett, a South African youth player, he hasn't played this season. So, be I, But I haven't heard what it is. I'm assuming it's an injury because why wouldn't you even be named in the squad or anything if it wasn't that? Um, so hopefully those guys recover and we wish them nothing but the best, but I know everybody was pretty high on Victor, um, as being a good Spaniard kind of attributing to him of the skill set of Iosi Perez. But I think that's just because they're both from Spain. Yeah. <laughs> and they both have the same, like similar haircut too. Yeah. They, do. Just, like, they just look alike. So everyone's like, Oh, they must be the same player. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hopefully not, but hopefully yeah. Victor's way better. Uh, that's, that's all we can hope for. Uh, All right. Now, yeah. Elijah, I'm going to leave this up to you because you are born in Atlanta. Sure. And still a fam in Atlanta. I'm leaving Atlanta, so I don't get the right for this. Why don't you take this next one? Um, well, so we have been reporting about this Almiron situation for a while. We've already admitted that we were wrong in saying that there's no interest and that there's no way this is happening because Newcastle seem to try to – they want to make this happen. So um, apparently – uh, Newcastle sending their head of recruitment, Steve Nix, over to America for the MLS Cup final, which is December 8th. So that's next Saturday. Um, not this up, not in two days, but next Saturday. Uh, because Newcastle are up 3 0 to go through to the final. And if they, they basically, Atlanta is like, not Newcastle, Atlanta is 
almost a shoe win to be in the final. And it looks like Steve Nix is going to go to America to possibly, you know, inquire, negotiate something along the lines with, with Miguel Amaron. So that's Are you uh, saying Steve Nix or Steve Nixon? It's Nixon. Nixon. Oh, I'm saying Nixon. Maybe I cut out at the end, but yeah. (laughs) Just just corrected for the people just in case. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, he's going, he's going, uh, he's going to be in America and evidently he's going to possibly be negotiating about a Miguel Amaro deal. Um, I guess this is good news because this is probably the first time in a while I've seen Newcastle be proactive about a deal. Um, usually we're like, all right, well, it's January 15th. Let's start, let's start negotiating. Um, and now we're negotiating a, a month in advance, probably trying to get something done, trying to butter them, butter, uh, butter up Darren Eels and Atlanta United guys. I don't know. It's interesting. That's all I have to say about that. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, th- I think it's huge news. And especially if, I mean, you got to know, or at least have an idea that Atlanta United is going to be asking for a hefty sum here. And Steve Nixon isn't going to fly from Newcastle to Atlanta, Georgia to negotiate a deal for 10 mil. Well, I just, I also want to point out that, uh, that, uh, that Atlanta is a wonderful city and maybe he's going out there to visit. Um, The world of Coke is nice. He wants to try some international Coke flavors um, the largest aquarium in the world. Yeah, College Football Hall of Fame, um, which go I don't know why a, a British guy would want to go to that, but maybe. But, you know, maybe he wants to see Mercedes-Benz Stadium as well. Uh, he could come this Saturday because I will be there. Oh, um, see okay. My oh. University of Georgia Bulldogs take on the Alabama Crimson Tide in an SEC battle for the championship. Uh, go dogs to that. But if you're not there, Steve, we can meet up the next week. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I was considering going to the December 8th game if it happens because this is Atlanta sports and Atlanta sports are notoriously bad for like fumbling the bag per se when we have an opportunity to go to a final or win a final or win a championship. We are just notoriously like – we're cursed, basically. So <laughs> I'm still in the fence of, like, this, is, this still might not happen, even though, like, it's almost mathematically impossible for us to, to like, not advance the MLS Cup final. Anyway, but that's, that's interesting. I guess another kind of MLS-related thing that could affect the, the price of Almiron is that it's rumored that Zach Steffen, who is a keeper for the Columbus crew, uh, the future U.S. men national team, a uh, number one keeper, um, could be getting sold to Manchester City. Uh, for anywhere between six to ten million uh, U.S. dollars, it's just another transfer signing that could be used as leverage, as I don't know, a base starting point. But like Greg said, they're going to be asking for a lot of money. Um, Darren Neils has been on the record saying he wants triple the rumored amounts of like ten million pounds. So I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you know Newcastle. Yeah, he's, he's not <laughs> walking for less than twenty-five mil. And and you know, I I think he will walk for less than twenty-five mil. Because I don't know if Arsenal and Tottenham are as desperate to sign him as Newcastle and West Ham. Yeah, if but that makes sense. Almiron doesn't ex- choose the fee. No, no, that's true. No, I'm saying, I'm saying, I don't know if they're as desperate to sign him. Like, I don't think they're going to just shell out thirty million pounds for a guy that's going to oh, be on their bench. Okay, I see. That's what I I'm see. saying. Because if if we're being realistic, and we kind of touched on this in our pod with Roberto, um, 
even though Arsenal and Tottenham would be wonderful places to play, they're big clubs, top six, blah, 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 who cares? There is not – it's not going to be – it's not, not a good chance that Almiron's going to slide in there and start, like, anytime soon. Maybe two, three years down the road, but especially, like, not right now with just the amount of talent both of those teams have, um, especially at the midfield position. They have stacked midfield. So, <laughs> And even if you're going to play him out – wide they are stacked out wide as well so it's it's going to be tough for him to break into that team I mean I'm not saying it's impossible I'm just saying it's going to be a much easier route to break into the team here at Newcastle or at West Ham than it is going to be to break into the first team there so I don't know but that's my rationale is I think he's going to get sold for around 20 million because they're going to want 25 million and then realize that no one's going to buy him for that much um maybe West Ham does I don't know but yeah we'll see yeah, it'll be something to watch. I mean, he like we said it. I, I think everybody says it. He's an incredible player. Um, if you haven't seen any highlights of him, just literally just go search on YouTube for his highlights, um, and and don't think it's just a one-off video collage because he does it every game. Everything that you're going to see, every match he takes over, um, and and you can clearly see that he's the most valuable player for Atlanta United on the pitch. Um, he's just we'll say this an absolute playmaker and. I think anybody would be happy to have him um, yeah. depending and on what, what role. And we would be happy to have him because he would start. He and would. And he's a guy that plays multiple positions at Atlanta. Uh, they played him at left striker, left wing cam, but just his impact alone uh, in the, in the previous round of playoffs in this cup or previous round in this cup, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Atlanta played Almiron for like half the game and won one nil. The next game, they played in the whole game. They won 3-1. The next game, they played in the whole game. They won 3-0. So he's kind of got a ridiculous amount of impact on the squad. But anyway, moving on. Um, so the Chronicle have reported Rafa has apparently his wish list, um, which don't know if it's just speculation or if it's like, hey, they know because he's talked about it. Who knows? Um, but it makes sense. Um, winger, fullback cover, and second string player. Um, Almaroon could play out wide. I don't know where Rafa wants to use him. I would hope it'd be the number 10 role, but he can play out wide. Um, fullback cover obviously makes sense, especially given what just happened against Burnley, um, where we didn't have Paul Dummett. Um, and second string player is is going to be another guy to bolster the U23s. Um, looking at another young signing, probably another you know one million to two million pound signing or a free transfer from an academy, something like that. So um, that's interesting. And then. Um, Loan moves. There's there's something I want to say on that. So okay, um, with the w- wish list, I don't know. I think that is more speculation because I'm I'm going off of where we have scouted people and we've scouted. I mean, you couldn't tell really what we were looking at when we were at we were at Porto versus Benfica, um, and so was pretty much every Premier League club. Uh, definitely Wolves. Yeah. Wolves was definitely there. Wolves, um, Wolves actually they have season tickets yeah. to both teams. <laughs> <laughs> They've been there the whole season. Um, so Newcastle have been there and, and you don't know who they're scouting, but I'm sure it could be a, any number of players. As we all know, those, both those clubs are, are very talented. And then we are, we have scouted Sebastian Haller from Eintracht Frankfurt. Um, he's a striker. We found, we scouted Francois Carmona, which we talked about a couple times. Um, he is at Bordeaux and like, so I, I'm surprised that striker isn't on the list when we have scouted those two numerous times. Uh, I, th- I, I think, I don't think they're, we're just scouting strikers because of whatever. And you can't, you can't just hone in and say, oh, we're not getting a striker because Rondon scored two goals once. Yeah. Like, you know, that's, 
That's true. That's a big mistake. Because yeah, yeah. can you replicate it consistently? Yeah, and um, yeah, that's that's honestly a big thing. Can you actually replicate that that production? Wouldn't be surprised just given the success Dwight Gale's having at West Brom and Rondon. I mean, I don't know if you can call it success here, but he's been a valuable member. I wouldn't be surprised if details emerge about a potential permanent swap deal for for the two of them. Um, I, I would. I, I definitely think that's going to happen. And I, there's even there's been an article that says Rondon has moved his family up to Newcastle already. So yeah, um, I think that's definitely going to. I mean, maybe happen. he just likes Newcastle. You know, you never know. <laughs> we all we all love Newcastle. Yeah. Um. Here's <laughs> right, another another thing. Budget is apparently unknown, which is nothing new. Um. Another, I would imagine, speculation thing: the Chronicle are claiming that Rafa has been given the green light for um, international uh, signings for for loan moves um i i guess that's good i mean i guess because we've used up our domestic loans we already have two of those so we could only really loan guys internationally i mean i guess the only the only people i would imagine us being loaned to is uh like uh there's a guy stefano sensi that we were scouting who's an italian um, attacking midfielder holding midfielder just a midfielder in general who just got his first call up for the Italian national team against America and absolutely dominated. Um, he he's uh, he plays for Sassuolo. Um, he's a guy who wants to play in Italy permanently long term, but also wouldn't mind making the jump. I would imagine that'd be a guy you could possibly loan in. I don't know, but yeah, apparently we can loan in whoever we want. That's not really big news. And then lastly, uh, for my end, uh, loan moves for Longstaff, Woodman, and Sterry. Are apparently stuff that are is is on the books for January, um, which makes sense on the surface level considering all three of those guys had a chance to kind of break into the first team and just really didn't. Um, whether that be because of ability or because of uh, the fact that we weren't really in a position to just give out, uh, you know, experience to youngsters. Um, and then Saive and Lazar are, are two guys Newcastle are apparently desperate to sell. Um, which this isn't really new. Uh, we've been trying to sell these two guys for a while. Um, and now that details have emerged about Saive's uh, contract, we really want to sell him. He's, he's, uh, he's making 35,000 pounds a week at Newcastle for doing absolutely nothing. So that's a, that's a signing right Ridiculous. there. Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. And, the, and the last bit is the FA Cup round three details. You'll be hearing a lot on Monday, this coming Monday, December 3rd. That is when the round three draw happens. So Newcastle will obviously enter the competition at that point. If you remember last year, we had a home draw against Luton Town, uh, one, one three to one. Uh, got to play some youngsters in that match. Hopefully something like that happens again where we have a home tie. We can play Elias Sorensen. Um, <laughs> so that that's pretty much it. Do you have anything else on, on news? I'm just excited for the disappointment of January. So just <laughs> come on January. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, we have won three in a row. If I told you this mid-October, nobody would have ever predicted it. But we have won three in a row. Woo! Silent yes. Elijah? Uh, I, I just, Elijah excitement here. That's not my brand. My brand is the monotonous individual that puts wow. everyone to sleep. That's that's kind of my brand. So, 
All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's fair. Well, let's let's get into talking about this match because I thought it was really exciting. And the most exciting part of it was the formations. I was geeking out when I saw us line up. So I we that, kind of you're the only person, by the way, who is geeking out. Yeah. I was loving it. And <laughs> when so, people see two five at the backs, they're they're never like, oh my gosh. Whoa. Yeah, I was so excited. Uh, sometimes <laughs> the the four two three one, it it makes sense. And I get tactically and Rafa, like that's what he lives off of. But like I, I, I hate just doing that every week because you could tell when Rafa lined us up. So we lined up in a five, two, three when we were attacking, which is amazing to me. <laughs> I never thought I would ever see that formation. And so we basically came out five at the back. We had Yedlin, Fernandez, Cher. So uh, Fernandez, Cher, and Clark were the center backs. And then we had Yedlin and Richie as wing backs, which completely different game changer. And then we had Diame and Key in the midfield. And then Kennedy, Perez, and Rondon were lined up three alongside each other up top which is a crazy formation. You don't see it that often, honestly. And that's how we attacked. And you could tell immediately, like Burnley was not expecting this because we're a 4-2-3-1 team. That's the way Rafael Benitez has always ran his clubs. And occasionally he switches it up. But to come out drastically away against Burnley with a 5-2-3 formation, is nobody could have ever prepared for that. And you could tell Sean Dyche was in shock. He was like, whoa, like we didn't talk about this at all. So I, that's one of the reasons why I was geeking out. And then when we were defending, we, we kind of packed it in more, kind of ran out as a, a 5-4-1. So Rondon stayed back, and then Kennedy and Perez fell back deeper um, to that four in the midfield. So it, it was pretty cool how it worked out because once we got the ball and started, or like, say, building in the back, we rely share to kind of press forward, and Fernandez press forward, and even Clark was doing it. But you could see Perez and Kennedy immediately push forward. And, and that back line, Burnley's back line, was completely confused. And they didn't know if, like, if Key or Diame got the ball, if they should step up and challenge or, like, stay back with the three. So it, it was pretty cool for me to see that because they were completely overwhelmed at the beginning of the match. Your thoughts? Yeah, it was interesting. I, I think one thing I took away was that Kennedy drifted centrally a lot during the match. Um, I don't know if that was just by design or just because he felt the need to, but it was just something interesting. I don't know if it was that effective or if it wasn't effective. He got some shots off. He made some some decent passes. But yeah, I mean, I was I was I was thoroughly surprised and also pretty excited with the formation, just the the fluidity of it all. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It, it seemed it seemed like a a, a nice little Rafa curveball, and I love when he throws this little curveball. It's, it's nice and juicy. Oh, we love juicy curveball with a little bit of pine tar on there. Oh, yeah. Love it. Love me some pine tar. All right, so uh, we'll go over a little bit of the match. So it, it happened immediately. We came out, and I was immediately geeking, and then it took three and a half minutes before we got our first goal, and it was, uh, it, it was kind of like a half-cleared free kick. Um, and it fell right to Fernandez, and he just fired away. He actually, you could see, it, there's a pretty cool like close-up view of him sliding his foot outwards to get the curve on it. And he tried to just poke it in, but it deflected off the knee of Ben Mee, and Joe Hart had no chance on the deflection, and um, gave it one nothing Newcastle immediately, which was lovely. 
<laughs> and I was freaking out because I was like, oh, my God, we did it again. We've gotten a few early goals this year. Um, and, and we haven't – I guess the only time I really remember us getting early goals is in the championship. So getting in in the Prem, especially against such a known defensive team as Burnley, that was surprising to see a goal that early. Your thoughts on that play? I mean, yeah, it was a mistake by them. I mean, it's it's an own goal. You never want to give away one. And I don't know. It's just you see a breakthrough like that, especially when that's your identity is to defend. I think that does a, a little bit to the morale. And the game really just kind of opened up after that. Um, you didn't really see Burnley bunker down like they used to, like they usually do. They they started getting forward, making some chances. And it, it honestly, this game could have been a nil-nil draw if it wasn't for that early goal. So I think we should all be thankful for it, everyone involved, because that game was probably going to be very boring with five in the back of Newcastle going against the defensive, defensively-minded stalwart. Very boring to watch Burnley. So, yeah, I'm thankful for early goals. I, I don't know. I think I think Newcastle's three up front formation was more of an indication of goals than having five at the back. Because when when you have five at the back and your wingbacks are Matt Ritchie and DeAndre Yedlin, there's not much defending going on there. That's fair. <laughs> you know, that's, I yeah, mean, that's fair. Yeah, and to be to give credit, I do think DeAndre Yedlin has been a good defender, and he does take more risks, which involves him you see him messing up from time to time, but he knows he has the speed to to then fix his mistake. But I mean, realistically look at Matt Ritchie and Deandre as wingbacks. They're not defending too much there. So I I thought I saw a different way. It's like immediate intent that we're going for this, but that could be the geek also. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. So 23 minutes in now um, it's, it's across from Matt Ritchie uh, from the right. Great job as a wingback, <laughs> and it uh, it was it was following a corner, and it was like uh, hit by R- Richie perfectly. Like he was kind of uh, retreating towards midfield, and then crossed it in, and it just uh, Clark got a perfect head on it. Like just it just he get, just made it so it grazed him, and it just like poked the ball right inside the back post. Beautiful header. Like it looked like. It looked like that came right off the training ground. I, I know I hate when people say that, but it really did look like something that we've practiced time and time again. Clark yeah. was completely unmarked, and he was able just to get – I mean, it was a perfect header. And Joe Hart, no goalkeeper saving that, and it's immediately 2 nothing Newcastle. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it as soon as it left Clark – like once you saw Clark open, you kind of were like, this is going to the back of the net. Um, I mean, I don't know. That's that's all I thought when I saw it. I was like, oh, this is going in the back of the net. So, I don't know. Yeah. And it was, it was a decent strike as well. I mean, and like you said, Joe Hart, bless his heart, he can't – he was never going to make that stage. So, <laughs> Yeah, and it's so fa- funny, Captain Clark <laughs> with the goal. <laughs> oh, yeah. It just it, Like, think of how this season has gone for us with that winless run and then, like, you know, our captain <clears throat> isn't – Kieran Clark it's just not and you just hear a goal like our our two goals have been from center back Federico Fernandez I know it was an own goal but he he had the shot and then our captain center back Kieran Clark with the with the header so this game was already going nuts and that and that is even another intent with having the five back both of our goals came from center backs coming coming forward to make plays I know Clark's is different because it's a corner but um still has something to say but then it 
wasn't all pretty, and this is what concerned me a bit. Um, it, it was Sam Vokes. He had an unbelievable header, and it was like it was Ben Mee's. Like he like just absolutely punted the ball, and I don't know how Vokes. I mean, Clark was just ball watching. It was miserable defensive play from him, and then me. I mean, um, Sam Vokes just jumped right in front of him, put a perfect head on it, and the ball just like popped up and curled right over. Dubrovka's stretched arms. He made the best effort he possibly could, but man, it was like a, I think it was right at the edge of the penalty box, so an 18 yard header for goal. I mean, that was wild. And, you know, nobody, we already know what it's like 2 1 leads or 2 nothing leads. We never really keep them. Um, so there it is in the 40th minute. It's now 2 1. Your thoughts on that? It was a little bit concerning, but I think. Like you said, when you're, I think Newcastle looked fine the whole the whole match in terms of getting forward. So I think there was the hope that we would get another goal and kind of put this to bed. That didn't happen, but I'm sure you'll touch on. We got pretty <laughs> dang close. So, uh, um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I it was it was definitely a mistake by Clark, and I think Alex, I think that was I, you could argue that was probably one of the only mistakes the back line made the whole match, uh, like big mistakes, I guess. Um, everything else, they were just they were they were neat and tidy. Um, but yeah, yeah, and that's what you're going to get with with Clark. Unfortunately, I mean he's gonna, I mean he's he's always been great heading the ball. He doesn't get a ton of goals, but you know he's always going to be able to compete for those. But sometimes he just gets lazy defensively, and there I'm sure he he had no. Burnley players in front of him thought it was a free header. Did wasn't aware that Sam Vokes was right behind him, and and he just lets Vokes jump right in front of him for the goal, and that that's unacceptable. It's not. It's completely unacceptable in the Premier League. It's essentially to me, I rate that about as dumb as fouling somebody right outside the box um, with their back with their back turned to the to the keeper. Like the, yeah, yeah, and Fernandez did that once too, but um, it, it's uh. That's come on, man. <laughs> like, get a body on somebody and get that ball out of there. So I thought thought it was easily. It's played to defend easily, and and but that's just what you're going to get with him sometimes. So second half comes around, uh, still two one league, and and this should have been four one final Newcastle. It, it should have been. We we were playing great. Still, we played great for ninety minutes. I would say or eighty nine since <laughs> this minute that we just talked about, um, and. There's one play, it was, it was, I can't remember who passed it in, but it was DeAndre Yedlin kind of takes an odd angle around a defender on the, on the left side, or sorry, on the right side, and he takes like a way outside angle and then kind of curls back in and, and is able to beat the defender, and he kind of toe pokes, I thought it was going in, I thought for sure this is going to be a goal, but he just catches the edge of Joe Hart's foot. And it deflects right out to Matt Ritchie, two feet from goal, and he hits it wide, wide open yeah. net. And, and it <laughs> talk was, to me and, about and, that. Oh and, my god! And I think the funniest thing was that the announcers, everyone thought that it had gone in because yeah, of the I, angle. Yeah, and they're like, "Oh, I guess this goal doesn't count." And then they show the replay, and everyone realizes that he hit the side netting. Everyone's like, "Oh, that's that's." That's not good. That is. Yeah, people, they initially said, the announcer said, oh, it's room for offsides. And they were like, wait, did that, that didn't go in? (laughs) Man, that was bad. And uh, Matt Ritchie, after the game, you know, I'll give you a a Southern quote for you, but bless his heart. 
um, he, I mean, he, he took it the best he said. He's like, you know, I, I just wanted to win. He, I'm not directly quoted him. This is the gist of what he said. He said, I just wanted, I'm happy that we won. And yeah, the, the lads are making fun of me for it. And inside it hurts a little bit, but we got what we came for and that was three points. So the most professional answer that you could expect, but yeah, it could be the miss of the season. Um, <laughs> Inside it hurts. In the a Premier little. League, there was actually, I would argue, a worse miss in Champions League on Tuesday. But for as far as the Premier League goes, um, this might be the worst one of the year. And and Deion, the funny thing is, because we could have scored two goals in the span of three seconds. That's how DeAndre just missed a five hole on Joe Hart, and Matt Ritchie had a wide open net two feet out and missed it. So, and that's that's kind of when he missed that. I was like, oh man, we're not going to win this. Like, we're not going to win. And everybody's going to point to that miss as the reason why we lost or t- or drew. Did you have that feeling or were you still confident? Yeah, I had that feeling because it's Newcastle and, like, this has literally happened to us this season where it's like, oh, okay, we're fine. And then you'll have a miss and then you'll see another team work back, him, man, you, and then win. And <laughs> when the game should have been put away uh, ages ago. So, so yeah, um, you definitely get that feeling. But and still, who, who else was it that we were up 2-0 and won 2-1? Uh, crap. It, it was during this win streak, so it could only be... Well, yeah, there's only three, three, uh, three possibilities um, here. But I was thinking the same thing because uh, we were up 2-0 and they get a goal and then the whole... Bournemouth. Yeah, 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 it was. And they were just absolutely just flanking us on all sides. And I was like, man, we're not going to get this, are we? And we, we pulled it out. Yeah. So we've learned some lessons from the man, man you debacle. Yeah, that one was they get a goal, they start pressing forward, and then then uh, Rafa immediately subs in Kieran Clark for Kennedy, and you're like, all right, well, we know <laughs> what's about to happen. <laughs> yeah. And that's exactly what happened. They just for kept, sure. They just kept coming. Um, <laughs> All right, so will uh, do you do you want to say anything else about the match? Uh, I someone hit the post as well um, in that game as well. I forgot oh, who. You're right. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, Hosselu. Yeah, Hosselu hit the post. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, and it was like a rocket. And he hit the post. Yeah, yeah. It was. So. Um, yeah, Hosselu missed it. I can't remember who delivered the cross in. Um, but Hoslu connected. That was easily the best connect he's had all season, and he just rings it off the post. But uh, yeah, sorry, Hoslu. Yeah, mean, we. I mean, it should be. Four, it should have been a four-one win. I, oh. I, I'm confident saying that's how dominant they were too. We. That's true. We. Uh, and uh, there was a great save that it was actually ended up being Yedlin that made the save. The only other chance that Burnley had. They got it right in front of Dubrovka, and Yedlin came in behind the defender and got his foot on the ball as he was kicking it. And, he, and it might have slid under Dubrovka there for a goal, but Yedlin just got his foot in there and deflected it wide for a corner. And I was just like, those plays, Yedlin never gets credit for. I mean, he must have gone seven yards in 0.4 seconds to make that play. Like, he was going so fast and just gets his foot in just in the nick of time to deflect it out. And I was like, man, like people should be praising him for stuff like that. Yeah. No, and, there's and, no <laughs> fullbacks that can make that play. And yeah, and that's why he's still in the. I mean, and this is a bit of a tangent, but that's something U.S. men's national team fans they just don't ever give him credit for. They always talk about like he's he's due for one one mistake every few call ups with uh with, with the U.S. men's national team, and like 
whether it's like, you know, letting a guy in behind him, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. Um, people just forget that he's also makes some ridiculous defensive plays. I, I don't know. I just, he's so fast and it's, it's like one of the, one of, it's not an underrated quality, but it's like, I feel like it's, it's become underappreciated as the rest of his game has elevated to a different level. Like as he's become more confident on the ball and he's swinging him good, good crosses and he's becoming a, a, a much better defender in terms of like positioning himself and being a little bit more aware of his surroundings and such. People just forgot that he's really fast and he can, and his close down speed is ridiculous. And he, and he's, he also just doesn't give up. He's an absolute engine. So you gotta love that. Yeah. And he has gotten a, a heck of a lot better under Rafa. Oh yeah. So and there's no doubt. Oh, and by the way, his uh, positioning the, is night and day. Yeah. Um, but read that Hasselu off the post, the person who delivered him that uh, that ball, it was Zedlin to Perez, and then Perez oh, made a, a perfect three. Yeah, ball. that's why I forgot. And actually, I'm going to give uh, Trevor, the official questionnaire of the podcast, I'm going to give him credit. Because he, I got a text from him, said, did Iose Perez just create a chance from a chance creation position at the number 10 role? And I was like, I, I think, I think that's what we just saw. <laughs> it, it, it's a, it's it's all it's like, wow. So we we get we get a guy out wide who gives it to our, uh, who gives it to our number ten who's supposed to create chances, and he creates a chance instead of just like shanking it or yeah. losing the dribble. See, or like, so everybody look at that pass that Perez gave to Hoslo, and now imagine that happening five times a match with Almiron. Yeah right is that fair to say i'm i'm watching the atlanta united game right now and i we're maybe like 10 minutes in yeah yeah oh, 10 minutes in and he's already created two chances yeah so. it's he's <laughs> such a playmaker so um yeah anyway we already talked about that so here's some quotes on the match that i thought were wonderful <laughs> um so I, I i found the matt Ritchie quote so i'll just read that he said, horrific miss, horrendous, but that's life. It's football. Luckily enough, it's not cost us, and I can smile about it, but inside it hurts. It's a miss that I'll probably remember for the rest of my life, but I'll make sure it doesn't happen again. <laughs> that's so dramatic, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's a miss I'll remember for the rest of my life. You're telling me that that's the miss he's going to remember? It, like yeah. a random league match in the it middle might. of the it might be. <laughs> I don't know, dude. And it's, but, the thing is, like, I would understand that if we lost, but like, or drew, but we didn't. So I man, don't know if he'll remember that for the rest of his life. I, I, there's a picture I got to send you, and we'll, we'll tweet it out. But it's a picture of Matt Ritchie on the ball, D- Yedlin, like, looking up to him in hope. And, like, Joe Hart is behind Yedlin, and he just misses. Oh, it's, kill, it's killer. It's one of the worst I've seen. All right. So Rafa said, <laughs> so we'll talk about the positive. Rafa said, every game for us is like a final. Winning is massive because it gives us more confidence. There is still a long race ahead, but we're doing well, and hopefully we can continue that. We needed to win and to perform well. The players did it and were amazing in terms of effort, organization, and team spirit. We were working in the week trying to manage Burnley's two big center forwards, and the players did really well. He's saying really well a lot. Doing well, really well. <laughs> um, so that's that's the gist of it. It's It's kind of a cookie cutter response for Rafa just tempering the expectations really I think there uh let's go to stats yeah stats great stats statistics yes um so 
following the two draws at St. James and a win and a defeat at Turf Moor, Newcastle achieved their first ever Premier League victory over Burnley in the Prem. That's interesting. Yeah. Were they just, um, we just drew with them a bunch of times, I guess? Yeah, we had two draws at home and a win and a loss away. So okay. one win and two draws at home, 0-1 away until this trip. Um, it was also our first away victory of the season. So that's wonderful. And that's pretty much it. I'm looking. I was like, wait, I don't have any more stats besides 538. So we'll go to that. Uh, they're doing their prediction projections for the rest of the season. So as you can probably expect after three wins, our relegation percentage has significantly gone down. Um, and that's wonderful to see. But it's it kind of telling, too, with their algorithm because they never had us in the bottom three for relegation. True. Even during our win- winless run, they never thought we were going to get relegated. So right now, they said Burnley is actually has the best chance of getting relegated at 58%, Fulham at 56 and Cardiff City at 49%. Um, then, so that's 2019 18. 17th is Huddersfield, 16th Southampton, 15th Crystal Palace, 14th Brighton, and then us at 13th. We have a 16% chance now to get relegated. Um, so that is wonderful. It's, it's gone down. I think it was at like 38% or something, something to that. And I don't remember the exact figure, but it's yeah. kind of halved since the last time we spoke about it. Uh, they have Newcastle finishing with 40 points on the season, which is four points higher than the 36 they originally thought. But And that puts us ahead of Brighton, Crystal Palace, Southampton, Huddersfield, Carter City, Fulham, and Burnley. Um, they have West Ham finishing three points above us. Interesting, because interesting. Yeah. <laughs> how how bad is Fulham? Uh, they're pretty awful. So I'll, I'll go with their stats. So they're projecting Fulham to have eight wins, eight draws, and 21.5 losses. Jeez. And they're projecting – oh, sorry. Sorry, I was reading Cardiff's. That's still bad. Fulham's is uh, – yeah, it's actually pretty much the same. Uh, 7.8 wins, 8.0 draws, and 22.2 losses, minus 38 goal difference. They're, they're not good. <laughs> no. And that's, that would be the worst goal difference in the league. Um, they're projecting we would be minus 15 by the end of the season at 40 points. It's, it's really interesting how, like, I don't know. It, I feel like Rafa's done a better job at – recognizing and i think this is something uh, west ham obviously has this issue a lot um but i think rafa's done a decent job of recognizing players that will actually succeed in the premier league because he's just been there a while and and it seems like fulham just bought players that were like good i guess in other leagues or decent other leagues i mean and i don't think they really considered like the physicality of the premier league especially when addressing their defense they kind of went all out on the attack and it was like oh well our defense was fine in the championship but i don't know it's just interesting that stuff like that interests me when you look at like our back line that we put together all of which you could argue you could argue that if fulham could have any one of those guys in our back line today they would want and i think like the total cost for that whole back line is like nine million pounds which is ridiculous yeah yeah it just shows like you can invest on in goals as much as you want but at the end of the day like you have to stop them (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean you still have to 
you, there's still going to be a time when you don't have the ball and you have to defend. So yeah. Um, interesting there. So who is, and, and actually I want to give, actually, no, I'm going to surprise you here instead. Who's your best player? Say, I think we're going to say the same thing. I don't know. I'm going to say our best player is the back three uh, because oh. they were ridiculously good. Um, outside of Karen Clark's mistake, um, you're looking at like, I'm just, I was reading player ratings from all around. I mean, Burnley sites, Newcastle sites, Chronicle, blah, blah, blah. The whole nine yards, neutrals like Sky and BBC who covered the game. And they all had like eights, sevens, and eights for everyone on the back line because they all played really well. So, yeah. Um, very, uh, very, to, very well. Yeah. So, uh, hey, best best players of the match. I'll give it to Fernandez, Cher, and Clark. I mean, obviously, Fernandez and Clark were heavily involved in the goals. Cher has just continued to be the center back that you and I were clamoring for to play. And, you know, I'm glad he's actually starting to get those chances to play. And hopefully, I mean, in a perfect world, you have the this situation where this formation of this five in the back is maybe something that, you know, could continue to happen when you have – all of your center backs currently in ridiculous form. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think the whole back line was great. Back three. Yeah, I, I agree. They were great. And I know some people even named Clark the man of the match, which I would disagree with because of that goal significantly. But, but hey, he also I, had some key, key blocks as well. He had some decent tackles as well. Yeah, It's like, it's like when Yedlin played the best game of his life and then had a known goal. Yeah. It's, the, it's, it's almost the same thing. So mine is going to be kind of a shocker. Uh, but it's Mohamed Diame. Shocker. What? Yeah. We should have, I should insert a spit take sound effect there. I don't know <laughs> yeah. how you... Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to look that up, I guess. <laughs> but we could, we could do what we can. Um, and, and also, if you want to be a producer of this podcast, let us know. Because we'd love one. Uh, yeah, we're both working men, so it's uh, it's pretty yeah. difficult to you know. We love it, Frank, and you know all that. So, good stuff. Anyway, Diame is he leads the Premier League in tackles this season, and that's something that we haven't talked about, and it's pretty crazy to think about it. But he's averaging three and a half tackles per match this season, which is really good. Um, and it, I just. In this match, I just thought he he had a complete composure. Maybe maybe because of the space that they ended up having, and you had those those wing backs just flowing. He always had an outlet if he needed, but he was able just to kind of stay in his area that was never too crowded. He can just focus on one thing. I think the formation just worked for him, and I was just I was very impressed with him. I was going to say Key um, as my best player. Yeah, Key was great. There's so many. I mean, honestly, like. Perez was great. Cher was great. We talked about yeah. that. Matt Ritchie did great. Uh, Dubrovka, always. Kennedy, he wasn't – he had five shots, Kennedy. I mean, he was yeah. everywhere. So there's so many players that you could speak to, and I, I love that we have that opportunity to talk about all these good players and good performances in one match. But I just want to give it to him because he has – he was so – I just thought he was composed and everything that we needed in that position. Uh, that's not something that I would normally do is yeah. say that Diame is the best player, but I, I really feel that he had a hell of a game. So good on you, bud. Yeah. And uh, so who's your worst? Isaac Hayden. 
Oh, well, I, does even count? He played like ten minutes. <laughs> four. He played four yeah. minutes, I think. I was saying, um, so, <laughs> without picking, I okay. So my worst player was Salomon Rondon. I was going to say the same. Okay, yeah, he was irrelevant. Um, granted, I think the formation yeah. just didn't work for him per se, and just like could be his play style. I think that I will. He s- should he should be like more of a target guy, lone guy up front. I don't know it. It just, I don't know. It just didn't seem like he was as involved as he, like, he touched the ball 12 times the whole match, which is oh, really? great. Yeah. 12 touches. I have 30 here. I don't know where that's from, though. And then. Oh, wait. No, I was looking at passes. I'm stupid. Okay. Well, um, 30 touches isn't spectacular. As no, well, it, it, would be, it would be the lowest of the starters. Yeah. And, but he did win six aerial duels, which is what we want him to be doing. But it, it, he had one shot, and you're starting center forward. So, and it was blocked. Yeah, <laughs> it so. was. Yeah, I, I just you know you you want him to do better, and you want and he's not going to score two goals every match. But if you had to pick, and he wasn't awful either. Yeah, he, he was. Uh, yeah, six aerial deals. Yeah, that's awesome. But he was just the worst of the bunch. Nothing wrong with that. And, you and got, yeah. Are you picking a different one, or is that you sticking with that? No, that's that's who I was going to pick, and I just purely think it was just. The formation just didn't really suit his play style the best, I guess. Yeah, and just the way Newcastle played, I just like the the style they played just didn't really suit him um, the best. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that's just the reality of the situation, and we just have to live on. It suited Newcastle the best, though. (laughs) All right, so we will move into. Well, let's look at the let's look at the table. Let's let's have a look. So Premier League table is looking lovely these days. It's way less depressing talking about it now, which we also like. But Newcastle are sitting nice and lovely in 13th. And we are a win from 12th, depending on results. Um, That win would really put us in position. So it's crazy to think about it, but we're eight points behind Watford and Burnmouth, which is like it's still a, a significant gap. But you would not have expected that with how Burnmouth and Watford started versus our start. <laughs> um, so in eighth and ninth place is Burnmouth and Watford, and we're in thirteenth and eight points behind them. I, you know, it's something to take of note. That I think I think Newcastle has the the ability to catch them. I'll say this this season, not immediately, it, but this and season. if if we finish out the season like the 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 going if we're going into January and we're mid table. If we're 13th, 12th, 14th, anywhere in that range, that is a much better pitch than – because you have to consider when we did this interview with Roberto, we were just – you know, we had just been out of the relegation zone. So if you remember that, Roberto was pretty hesitant in saying, like, Newcastle would be a good fit. But I think that if we talk to him now, I think it's a different story because it looks like Newcastle could finish the season again in the top half of the table. Um, so I don't know. I think that's good going into January for recruitment matters and um, just morale. If we can get you know a good string of wins going, yeah, I don't know. I like it. I like it. And yeah. Who we have up next with West Ham, and then I think we have Everton. I mean, these are these are winnable games. So I don't know. Yeah. So so West Ham's in 14th. They're they're tied with us on points, but people were knocking Rafa's tactics. You don't hear them as much now. Uh, yeah. When we were playing the top four, but we have better goal differential than pretty much everybody around us. Uh, we're we're tied with Brighton, 
as far on goal difference, but we have three better than West Ham. Um, and then Wolves is only my, this, they're minus three. So Wolves is in 11th, Brighton's in 12th, we're in 13th. And Wolves is minus three, we're minus five. So it's very, like, the gap is right. It's not a big gap. Um, so I would say really good job by Rafa managing those matches. And I hope, you know, I hope we can do that again. Yeah. Because here we are in, in prime position. So let's get into West Ham. Um, just for, as far as injuries go, we'll, they'll have – so we're – have you heard anything? I think Paul Dummett might have a chance to play, or is he out? I think he might have a chance. Uh, Lascelles is back in training. Yeah, Lascelles uh, and John Joe, Carl Darlow, and Muto were all back from injury and training. I didn't see anything about Dummett being back in training. So I would put my eggs in that he might not play basket. Yeah. Um, so, but okay, you and, could argue that West Ham is equally as beat up. Yeah, they have. More. They'll have Winston Reed, Carlos Sanchez, Lanzini, Yarmolenko, and Freder- Fredericks are all out. I know oh, Arnautovic. He's returned to training. He's back. okay. I didn't know if he'd returned to back. Arnautovic. Yeah, he. I think he's back. I think he's going to play. So and and Jack Wilshire and Andy Carroll are both expected to be in the lineup too. Andy Carroll um, in the squad, maybe. Not. I don't know if Andy. I feel like when's the last game Andy Carroll started? That's a. Uh, I can find a, that answer. That's a stat right there. Um, tell me about Newcastle's lineup. Um, I think they'll probably go. I I, I would be surprised if um if Dummett's out. Um, it seems like new, like uh, Roth has moved on from trying to play Mankio there. Um, you could see Clark there with the return of all cells, but I wouldn't be surprised if we went with the same kind of five in the back formation with Richie as a wing back, just because one, it worked well, and two, out of just necessity, uh, because if Dummett's not playing, I, I just I don't really know who you're going to play at that left back spot and who's going to really hold it down and give us the best chance to win. Um, so I think we'd probably go kind of a similar lineup. Um, I would, I'm, it's sad for me to say this, but I think that Key's going to be on the bench for this. Um, I don't think Muto's going to start um, just because Perez had that through ball. So Rafa's like, oh, this guy's good again. And so I don't think he'll start. I think Rondon will start. So that for me, I have uh, Kennedy, Richie, um, Cher, Lascelles, and Fernandez, and Yedlin, and... Perez and Diame Shelby. Okay, that's who I have. I think, and it's you said similar formation, similar formation, and I think that's purely because I don't think that we like I don't know who we're gonna play at left back. That's just my like I don't. I mean, maybe you play Kieran Clark there, maybe you play Mankio there, but it looks like Rafa is kind of done with the Mankio experiment, um, and we've seen Clark at left back in the past, and it hasn't been great. It hasn't been bad either, but it certainly this was more effective. This 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 experiment with Richie at left back was more effective than having Mankey or Clark this season at left back. So I don't know. Yeah, well, I, I found out. So moving on to to West Ham, um, and 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 just saying on actually going back to Newcastle, uh, I I do agree. I would love to see them do the five two three again. Um, I think it's a great formation for us. Honestly, I do. So it would be cool to see, like, if I would love to see Shelby and Key do that. Yeah. That would be pretty interesting. <laughs> but I, mean, I don't think you, that would happen. 
Yeah, because you're already giving up a lot of defense with Richie and Yedlin as your wing backs. Yeah. So, I mean, you need to have at least one person who's going to defend in the midfield. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. I Yeah, I don't think we're going to see it, but it's I can wish. So, Andy Carroll, just I found that out for you. So, his last start was January 2nd of 2018. He scored two goals in the match and beat West Brom 2-1. to one. Well, that actually is not a good sign for us. But... He, it was West Brom. So. He, he got hurt. He injured his ankle and then had surgery. So his first ever appearance this season was last week against Man City where he lost 4 to nothing. He came off the bench. So that's, I think he will be on the squad, I'm assuming, because he's fully recovered and that was his first appearance. I don't think he'll start, but he'll probably come on and play. So, so they lost 4 nothing to Man City. But and you don't hear anybody talk about their tactics. But, I'm about to say it looks like we lost two one to Man City. Um, we did. So we did. Uh, but they have won once in our last six Premier League matches. So their their sole away win they won three to one against Everton, which is actually a pretty impressive win. But they they were uh, they lost three to one at Arsenal. They lost four nothing in another match like they they've gotten beat up pretty good and then they have lost they lost to brighton one nothing they drew they drew leicester and huddersfield town one one yeah it's it's really interesting to see how they were picked to finish because none of their matches seem impressive i think the most impressive win they have is everton well well, they also they beat man u three one remember that that happened. Yeah, I, I still but think that was Ever- like in terms Everton. The Everton yeah. one is, I think that's a better one. Yeah, at Everton, I think is is tougher. Especially yeah, no, Everton's tougher. sixth. They're quietly in sixth place right now. Yeah, I would say Everton's a better. I mean, I, at the time they played each other, I would say Everton's yeah. the better team. I think, like, especially Man U was just like a mess until they played us. So, and that yeah. was like the, that was like, the flaming pile of poop that was like, <laughs> wow, okay, this team's actually not doing well. Everything's blowing up, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I just I, there's nothing about who they've played so far that's impressed me. They've struggled against um, some lower league teams like Brighton, or like lower, lower in the table size like Brighton and Huddersfield. Um, and they lost to Wolves, of course. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It just, it doesn't seem like West Ham's that big of a threat. But, you know, I don't want to, I don't want my words to bite me in the butt. So yeah, so the way West Ham plays, they they ideally want to go on a counterattack. They they attempt a lot of through balls. They they attack down the right a lot. They play all sides traps. They like they rotate their lineups a lot. They play in their own half a lot. They're fine with doing that, and but they'll steal the ball from you and go. That's that's their whole thing. Where Newcastle takes advantage of West Ham is aerial duels. They don't have any – like Andy Carroll will be the only one that could come in and really affect anything in an aerial duel. But with that ankle injury, you know how much is he going to be able to do? Um, so I, I, I want Rondon to start because I think he could have a huge factor in this match. They don't defend well against long shots. A lot of their goals have been from a distance, which Newcastle attempts probably more long shots than I – see any other team yeah i've never seen so many guys who have the balls to just shoot like yeah and and also what west ham doesn't do well is protecting a lead so if don't panic if they do score early because it hasn't gone well for them this year uh, they make a lot of errors they also and, don't do well coming from behind either so 
yeah. So, so don't panic whatever happens. I, I think, <laughs> yeah, I think that this is a game where our strengths play into their weaknesses a lot. And we, we give up the ball a lot. We, we're a turnover-prone team, so they're going to steal the ball from us a bit, especially if they put pressure on Diame. And, I was about to say, if he's those playing. Yes. But I think we defend well enough to prevent that. They don't. I have a question with you, Greg. If you, because if they're going to sit back and kind of wait to go on the counter and and absorb a little pressure, I would. I mean, would you? Do you think it's possible we see Key and Shelby start alongside each other? Two guys in the midfield are going to be composed that aren't going to get rattled with pressure. I don't know. I wouldn't. It. I don't know. I don't know. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, I mean, it. It definitely could be. I, I do think that they're going to sit back a bit initially because I, I think it's more of they don't know what we're going to do, how we're going to line up or anything because sure. we threw out that 5-2-3. Um, so I, 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 I don't know. I, I kind of wouldn't change anything right now. Yeah. Because of how well we did. I mean, we could have put four on Burnley easily. And they're – I mean, they're struggling, but they're a good defensive squad. I, I don't care what people say. So I would like to see us do it again. Just bring out the same people again. Don't sub in Isaac Hayden. Um, <laughs> and, and just keep it up. Instead, maybe hopefully the other guys are healthy or healthy enough, and maybe you could sub in Muto at the end or, or LaSalle's or Shelby towards the end of the match. But I, I kind of want to keep the same formation and same starting lineup to see how it goes. It's another home match. It's against a, a team, like we just mentioned, has a lot of weaknesses that we could exploit. So. Yeah, you're not wrong. There we are. So the Hammers, when they come up north, they do not do well. <laughs> it, it hasn't worked out for them. So in the, in the last 10 years, going back to 08, they have drawn us twice. They've beaten us once. And every other match they've lost. So they drew in 08. They lost us 5-0 in 2010. They beat us in 2012, drew in 2013, and in 14-15, 15-16, and 17-18, we beat them. 2-0, 2-1, and 3-0. So last three seasons, we have torched West Ham. Yeah, we've torched them. that work. Yeah, last three Premier League seasons. So I want to see that again. I I want us in that 5-2-3, and I want us to score four goals. All right, so what's the score prediction? Four to one, Newcastle United. All right, I was going to go three one. Uh, Let's go! Brace, brace Let's go! And Rondon. Yeah, I have I, four I, goals for a fourth win in a row. I I also think I I think that what we're going to actually see as well is I wouldn't be surprised if if the game's kind of slow at half and we do a formation change at halftime and go back to the four two three one and allow Rondon to get some balls swung into him because they don't really have aerial threats. And because they don't have the biggest back line, they don't have the biggest anyone um, because they like to play on the counter. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if Rondon gets some goals because I think he's going to get some a lot of balls coming his way. So I don't know. That's what she said. But anyway, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I don't know. No, I, I, I agree with you. I, I think he's going to be a key player in this match. I think he can really exploit every weakness that they have going on. So all the best, lads. Hawaii and get us a fourth win. That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. How many teams have four wins in a row? I, I can't be a yeah. lot. 
I don't know. Maybe yeah. Man City and Liverpool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and actually, I think, didn't Watford win their first four? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Damn. So people who are doing well have four wins. Yeah. In a row. So yeah. Everybody we mentioned is in the top half currently. So yeah. foreshadowing. <laughs> All right. So we have some questions from our fans, which I hope, speaking of fans, thank you. And speaking of fans. Did you just say thank you to yourself? No, speaking of fans, like thank you for listening. Uh, oh, maybe I should have oh, said. Okay. Maybe I should expand. Thank you for listening and supporting us, and thank you for getting on our behinds about not releasing an episode in a week. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and also, why don't you watch Fubo TV? Oh, I watched a game on Fubo TV over the weekend. Okay, Torino. Hmm. Uh, Josef Martinez's former squad. It was a boring match. They played uh, well, Ari and Drew 1 1. I mean, that's Serie A for you, not going to lie. <laughs> I watched it on Fubo TV and was it beautiful? Quality was amazing. And mm. I could just switch it to any channel I want. Sometimes I like following like the, the top four leagues, and there's clubs that I follow. Like I support Newcastle, but I'll, I'll follow them just to pay attention. And Torino is yeah. one of those clubs that I like because. Their kits are the color of red wine, so I'm a fan of that. That's that's pretty cool. <laughs> that I'm is a bizarre reason. I, I actually I, I have a similar situation. I like to follow Dortmund just for Pulisic. Yeah, and I like to follow RB Leipzig because I like watching them play. So yeah, they're fun to watch. And if you do that, you have that opportunity on Fubu TV. So we're gonna at every podcast we have a link at the bottom. Click on the link, and that will help you sign up to the website. And we'd love it if you did. Yeah. Use use promo code CHN Radio for Life BFFL. <laughs> That's not actually a real yeah, thing. There's, there's but no click, promo click code. The but click the link. Yeah. yeah, click the link. That's the promo code. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so we will get into questions. We had three questions from two people. Dun, dun, dun. All okay. right. First one is from our very own Lost Muffin. Oh. He said, in ter- terms of league standings, where do you see the squad at the start of the next transfer window? I'm assuming he means December. I would, I would have the January, December, whatever. You want I mean, to call yeah. Window. Yeah. Uh, January. Yeah. Um, and then the follow-up was, do you think we can keep the momentum going and keep climbing the table? Or do you think we level out somewhere in the middle? So answer the first part, where do you think we'll be by January? And then how do you see it progressing? Okay. So this is just something that I was looking at, cause I was just talking to you about this. Um, and I mentioned we got a decent, we got a decent chance of putting in some work. We have our next, our next five matches, West Ham, Everton, Wolves, Huddersfield, and Fulham. You could argue all of those are, are winnable. I think the only thing that's you know, a little bit concerning is our Boxing Day match against Liverpool. But you could possibly go into this January transfer window in as high as 10th, um, especially if you come up against Wolves and beat them. So I don't, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Uh, I, I do think that we'll probably be in like probably 12th. I think 12th was, is, is a good spot. I think that kind of doesn't rely on us winning five in a row, but it, it does, it does call for us to not lose like two or three of those matches, which I don't think we will. I think we will beat West Ham, maybe draw against Everton. That's an away match. I think we could beat Wolves and um, possibly probably beat Huddersfield. And I hope we can beat Fulham. So, um, I don't know. I think that 
we'll go into the window probably 12th. I think we'll slow down once we get into the window because, you know, we have the reverse of how we started our season. So we have a really tough start to the to the January window with Man U, we got Chelsea, Man City, Tottenham. It, it, so we've got a lot of a lot of teams that are coming up against that, you know, our tough Man City, Cardiff. Well, not Cardiff, but Man U, Chelsea, Man City. So it's going to be kind of tough to continue that momentum. But I'd say we enter the window in 12th. Yeah, I would absolutely love that. I, I think we are going to do a little bit better. I think, I think I'm going to go 10th. Okay. And possibly 9th. And the reason is I... Probably, and by the way, with the fixtures, the way I listed the math fixtures, I probably mathematically would probably be... That would end up with us being in 10th or 9th. I just said 12th. Yeah, I, I realistically think that we could get to January only losing one match yeah. to Liverpool. Okay. Um, I think uh, the only other – I think we're better than every – well. Everton. On. I think Everton is going to be a uh, match yeah. that we – I think I, we can keep I that agree. close. I think it could be a draw, but I think more than likely it's a 2-1 loss. I, 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 I agree with you. So Everton and Liverpool, but I think we're better than West Ham. I think we're better than Wolves. I do. I think we're, we're better, better than, than Watford. I, we're better than Fulham, and we've already beaten Watford. Or I lied again. So I'm just going to stop talking. So We did nice beat thing. Watford. You're good. We did beat Watford. That's not a lie. Oh. Yeah, we, oh, yeah, we did. Well, nothing. Yeah. That, oh, that started the win streak. That was because Perez scored, and I immediately blocked him. Oh, yeah. Out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that doesn't happen. So. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Like I said, I, I'm getting back into the groove of things yeah. now. So I'll have course. a 100% accurate episode next week. I promise. All right. So, yeah. So I, I think. Looking at that, let's let me say tenth still. I mean, say we win, say we win all the games and lose to Everton and Liverpool. That is three, six, nine, twelve, fifteen points by January first. Which is get. like almost securing, like that's almost forty points, right? Because what we're on like twelve now. Yeah, it's well, okay. It's, that's actually not almost it's not, but yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> like I said, next episode we're going to be one hundred percent. I do the math in my head. I'm like, that's actually nowhere near forty points. <laughs> almost thirty is what you meant to say. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, it, I think it is possible. I mean, it, that's a stretch to assume we win every one of those matches, but and West Ham's good. I just think we are going we're a better team right now especially all right so the other so and i i guess moving forward i do think we'll level out i think we're going to be 12 13 place team if we keep this up i do think that that's how we'll eventually end up um because we do have to play the top six again and we do have to you know yeah that january is going to be tough yeah, but I think, but I, I would also say this: it is possible to get another tenth place finish if you bring in the right. If we have a January yeah. window where we bring in no one, then I think we could finish thirteenth, twelfth. But if we bring in that, and that's what fingers I, crossed, yeah. Almiron or like I don't even know if we even loan in another a number ten from. I mean, I don't know if we just have a, we have someone that gives us a little bit of hope that makes the team marginally better. We could easily you know get to ten. That, that season, the Euro, the year we qualified for Europa League, the the January signing that made we need an impact that Papi Cisse made when he came over in January mm. from the Bundesliga. That was amazing. I remember that first match. I don't even remember who we were playing. Honestly, I want to say 
no, it wasn't Chelsea. That was towards the end of the year when he had that amazing goal. Um, but that that first match, I remember they Demba Ba and Cisse were just pummeling that goalkeeper with shots, lacing them in. We won easily too, but we need an impact like that. A January transfer who comes in and immediately changes things for us. We were having a good season that year, but Cisse elevated us to a Europa League spot for sure. He was yeah. dynamite. Um, I know my, and that's what I want us to do here. I want us to make an impact transfer. We're going to have to break the transfer record for that. We're, we're just going to in today's climate. Yeah. To do. And global warming too. Don't forget about that. Yeah. The oysters are dying and <laughs> I love oysters. So <laughs> yeah, it's global warming unless you're American and your president doesn't believe in it. So, all right. Yeah. That's another story. But anyway, all right. Um, so next question. We have two questions from the official questionnaire of CHN Radio, Trevor Mooney. He said, so this is a brilliant question. It's Burnley related. Can you see this question, Elijah? Uh, sure. I can yeah, because I'm going to read it. But it and, and if you don't get it, at listeners, you'll have to read it too. Just go to our tweet where we ask for questions because – I'll embed it in the uh... – in the, the, yeah, the article. Yeah, there you go. We'll better than this in the Coming Home Newcastle article. But he wrote in a ton of – what are they even called? Like Burnley word puns? Yeah. <laughs> in the question. So uh, this is what he said. So he missed a sitter. Boo-hoo. Richie has showed more heart than anyone for a long time. I'm trying to bring it out. Yeah. If it were up to me, <laughs> he would get all the Volks for president 2020 be anointed Pope and pop the champagne cork at my wedding. What would you, what would you do to show your appreciation? <laughs> I but mean, that's just, like, that's well, a brilliant question. Well thought out. And it's not even really a question. <laughs> like it's no. just, like, just a bunch of words <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> because um, what are we, what are we appreciating Matt Ritchie missing? Well, he said, if, if we're up to me, he would get all the folks for president 2020. Be anointed Pope and pop champagne cork at his wedding. What would you do to show your appreciation? Um, I would dice because up some because onions. he shows oh dice up some onions. Yeah. Oh yeah, get some tears rolling. Show my respect. Wow, that was a really good pun and i can't think of anything that would yeah. <laughs> oh no i can't it's be okay. the only one that doesn't uh, i can't think of one so good job guys all yeah, right uh greg not not your best showing today no i i can't believe i'm punless which is rare i usually don't have any anything well anything. uh i could use it but he wasn't even used in the match who oh. just go for it the puns are heating up Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So his next question is looking forward. You can go back to 2011 and reallocate the funds gained by Andy Carroll's incredibly accurate transfer market price tag to Liverpool. Would you buy an in-prime MC Hammer, Thor's Hammer, or Infinite Honey Baked Hams? Oh, that's, that's tough. In, uh, by the way, incredibly accurate transfer tag price, right? Yeah, <laughs> incredibly accurate. <laughs> so what would you buy if you had to reallocate those funds? MC Hammer in his prime, Thor's Hammer, or Infinite Honey Baked Hams? Um, 
Jeez. You do like food. I love food. Um, yeah. But I also love Marvel, possibly more than I love food. Whoa, yeah. that's, a, that's a surprise to me. Yeah, no, I, oh, I love Marvel. I've watched well, every movie in the MCU like three or four times. Yeah, minimum. and I, so. I've watched uh, a lot, but you don't talk about Marvel like you talk about food. That's true. That's because usually most of the time when we do this podcast, I'm pretty hungry or uh, I've just eaten. So that's, that's like, yeah. and, and like nine times out of 10, it's <laughs> I've just eaten Chick-fil-A. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I've just, oh, okay, well. Um, but I'd say this, the, the negatives to MC Hammer is that like, I don't want to hear a guy talk about Hammer Time all the time. Um, and Thor's Hammer, Ragnarok, you can't, you can't lift that unless you're Thor. So I'd have to go with the Honey Baked Hams. Wow, that's, see, you, I mean, that's what I was going to say is, I can't get Thor's hammer because yeah. you can't pick it up. That would be pointless to me. But I mean, how awesome would it be to kind of chill with a wonderful American hip hop recording artist slash legend, MC hammer. Yeah, like when you say buy a prime MC hammer, it's not to play. It's to just hang out with. Right. Well, I mean, you're purchasing MC hammer. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could do whatever you want with them. I don't know. Can't touch this. Wait, that's, well, I mean, if you bought them, I, you could do whatever you want. You I'm just like, hey, like, can you just perform Can't Touch Us? And then immediately follow that with Too Legit to Quit. Okay, that's fair. And that's how I'll wake up every morning. And that's the difference between Greg and I. Greg, well, Greg is like, what are you, Greg? You're like 30-something? No, I'm 29. All right. All right, maybe you're 40. Is that? Is that <laughs> I'll be I'll be 30 in February. Whoa! So get get the party going. I'll I'll fly out to Vegas for that. Hey, I, I probably won't. Speaking well, of February, Greg, February 22nd. Yeah. Um, if you're American, come come chill with us at the uh, Tuna Army America Meetup. Uh, that's, I think it's February 22nd weekend in Denver. Yep. So you know we'll be uh, doing yep, yep, yep. some stuff you can only do in Colorado, which is take a brewery tour. So yeah, take yeah. Come on, guys. Come on. We'll be, <laughs> this, is a, this is a family-friendly podcast. Of course it is. All right. Actually, it probably isn't because we have mostly adult listeners. But anyway. But if you have kids that are Newcastle United fans, tell them about us. Put yeah, them on I in your car. It's a very millennial Gen Z thing podcast. So. And let us know if your kids do le- listen and we'll record a five-minute segment of just Elijah monotone talking to put your kids to sleep for you. Oh, yes. that's our, that's our gift to you. Oh, I'll give you like a five minute read of like, yeah. <laughs> like a, an article from the economist. Yes, <laughs> so That'll do it. Yeah. That'll, that'll, that'll put anybody that you can't put the driver to sleep though. Elijah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you have anything else? Um, honestly, no, I don't think I do. I, I think that was kind of, the, the big thing was, was the two hour America meetup. Seriously. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, rumor has it we'll do a live pod there, possibly, potentially, allegedly. So we will see. We we'll will see. Have, we will have plenty of announcements coming forward. Yeah, but you don't want to miss us. Uh, you'll get the opportunity to. I'll sign autographs. Greg, you'll sign autographs too, right? Yeah, but Elijah's is only the only autographs he'll sign is on Chick Fil A wrapped biscuits. That's fair. Do they have Chick Fil A in Colorado? Um. I don't know, but I do know I did look it up. Las Vegas has three of them. Oh, good, good, so good. All right, so 
we're, 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 we're safe. <laughs> all right, yeah, that's all I got. Yeah. All right. Well, you're going to get this. You're going to be listening to this episode on Friday or Saturday. Up to you. You're also going to see Talk of the Tune. We did an awesome interview with Mike Fowler. He's currently at University of Minnesota from Chicago. So you're going to get a little taste of that on Friday. So enjoy that as well. And follow us, Coming Home and UFC at chn underscore radio. Go to our website. Email us. We love feedback. So that can be found chn radio and UFC at gmail.com. And uh, keep coming in with questions. We had two people answering questions. We want 30. So feel, ask, ask your questions. Do it. Yeah. And if we win four to one, then I was right. Oh, yeah. and also one more thing. We didn't talk about it on the podcast, but I did predict that Burnmouth would lose to us two to one, and that's what happened. So I think Elijah and I are tied one to one for correct score predictions. Yeah. We'll, we'll keep tracking that all season. Yeah. Or until we forget. <laughs> yeah. I think we're, I, that was probably wrong what I said. Because you probably had like two or three, I think. No, no, I, no, I don't, yeah, I probably actually had two. Or three, I think, I'm, I think you had some more that, yeah. And if you are really bored, count them for us. Yeah. <laughs> this is the end of every episode. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it. I promise this time. Subscribe. Rate us five stars. We love you. You love us. And away the lads. Just can him do to the railway bridge, the bus will flow off there. The lasses lost the crinolines and the bales that hide their faces. I got two black eyes and a broken nose and gammon to blade and raises.
coffee Johnny had a white hat on They yelled, we stole the cuddy There were spice dolls and monkey shows And they had white selling ciders And the chef of a happy rolled about you And no more lads for riders 